Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. My name is Gene. I'm part of the team here at Restore. If you're new here, you might not know that, but um, just wanted to let you know that uh, this morning we are, um, we are gathered together much like we do every single week of the year, and yet I don't know about you, but there's some tangible evidence of the Spirit of God working among us again this morning. And I don't know, I'm never surprised per se, but I'm always, I'm always, uh, privileged. I always feel privileged when we bring ourselves together and all of us in the same space and we get to experience again what it means to be in community together, what it means to live out this thing of the Jesus way. And so I'm, I'm really grateful this morning that uh, the Holy Spirit is here among us. He's informing us. He's moving us. I loved what Tammy had to say about, about change. I love, personally, I love change. Um, I love it even more if I'm the initiator of the change. If the change comes upon me, it's a little more difficult to grapple with. But I do like change. And so uh, I don't like the fall change, though. Let me just be clear. Like, uh, fall is okay to some extent. I just know what comes after it, and that I'm not so much fond of. So um, this morning, we are, um, if you saw our online uh, presence this week, you know that we're doing a Faith and Action 2.0. So we've already talked about James chapter 2. We've preached through the entirety of it, and um, we're actually... Uh, pausing right there this week, and we're going to stay in James chapter 2. Um, the reason for that is because when James implores us to be people of faith and people of action, he doesn't tell us just exactly how to do that. And so we want to spend a little time this morning hearing some stories and testimonies of people who are people of faith and action. And sometimes we just need to be encouraged that we too can be those people, or we too should dig in deeper. We could dig in deeper. We could be more committed. We could be more than we currently are. And so, and so that's what we're digging into. So Brenda and I, as, as most of you know, uh, we've been married for 35 years. Uh, we just celebrated an anniversary uh, now last month in September. And um, we started something at the 30-year mark that was uh, pretty cool. Like we, we hadn't given it a whole lot of forethought, but we, uh, we spent some time thinking through and talking about every five years of our marriage. And that process of reflecting back was like one of our favorite things ever. And so this 35 year mark caused us to think back over the last five years. What that did for us was to recognize that a lot happens in five years. You should do that sometime. Think about the past five years. What has happened that has changed your life? What has happened that has sidetracked you? There's a whole lot that can happen in a five-year time period. In 2017, 
I would have been, let's see, I was 54 in 2017. And a few things happened in 2017 that changed the trajectory of my life. And I got to the point where I said, well, what must I do with the rest of my life? Apparently I'm halfway, uh, over halfway, unless I get real lucky and live, you know, my aunt is 101, so who knows. Um, I'm probably halfway to the grave. How awesome is that thought? Uh, but you know, when you get to my age, you kind of start thinking about that sort of thing. And I, I began to wonder like, what must I do with my life? Because I've spent my life doing all kinds of things, having all kinds of interests. I'm challenged by all kinds of experiences. And all of a sudden, I looked in the mirror and said, Gene, what must you do with the rest of your life? Not what can you do, what could you do, but what must you do? And I got real urgent about that. And Restore was born because I knew in that moment that my next thing was this. I knew that I must see what God would do if I took the risk, if we together, Brenda and I and a core group of people would take the risk and actually step out and do this thing of restore. I wonder if you've been at a similar crossroads. Because you know, uh, you don't have to wait till you're 50 something to get to that crossroads. I had had many crossroads like that prior to None of them with the urgency of this one. So it might have been in middle school or high school when you had to decide, you were at a crossroads. Are you going to give in to immoral behavior or are you going to stand your ground? Uh, maybe it was when you decided if you were going to college or not. And if you went to college or didn't, you had to decide, well, what kind of a job am I going to have? Like, at that crossroads, that's a big deal. Oh, where am I going to live? And by the way, am I going to start dating at some point, or am I just going to stay single? And am I going to get married? And if I get married, am I going to have kids? See, these are all like, you can think about these in five-year increments, and some of those stack themselves up into one five-year increment. But you have crossroads you come to all the time. What must you do? Maybe you're asking these questions right now. Maybe you're right now. Right now, you're in the middle. You're at a crossroads. You're trying to decide which way to go. And if you're in your fourth, fifth, or later decade of life, maybe it's looking back on what has been with um, a sense of satisfaction, or maybe there's a sense of regret about what has been. I hope you know this morning that it's never too late to begin to dream again or to begin dreaming, to dream and consider what God wants to do in your life, the people he wants you to intersect with, the places that he is walking you towards. I love that, the places he's walking you towards. He's not pointing you and saying, go there. I'll, he's saying, I'll go with you. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us, even when the crossroad that we're at is a left turn for us and it should have been a right turn. God doesn't say, you dropped the ball on that one, see ya. 
He is always with us. He is always for us. He is always helping us course correct. He's always intersecting our lives with his spirit. And, he, and, and then the expectation is, we love expectations, don't we? The expectation is that we do something with that intersection, that, that, that connection with people. And we don't just look at that and go, well, that happened. There's purpose behind every, every intersection. And our awareness to that will, will uh, give us direction for our lives. When we understand the significance of the intersection of people in our lives and the places that God is walking you towards, man, there's opportunities there. He's asking you right now even to consider what are those opportunities in front of you. We can look at the past but it's important for us to look to the future because there's an invitation to all of us today to step into even greater things, to be the person he's called you to be, to be open to the possibilities that exist for your life, to have more impact than you could have ever imagined. So we've been in James, the book of James, for the last, this is five weeks now, and uh, here's, here's what part of the passage from last week. It was, it was this, starting in verse 14. What Good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, faith, but don't show it by your actions. What good is it, brothers and sisters? What good is it, friends, if we simply experience the work of God in our lives and we don't actually do anything with it? That's what he's asking. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces, unless is the key word there. It's not enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So some of you may look around this morning. You may have attended here for a very long time. And you say, well, we never, uh, we never see any glitches in the service. Like there's always somebody at the front door. Coffee's always hot. If you've not been here before this morning, you're in luck because the donuts are really good that we're having after the service too. All of that happens and we don't see any glitches in, in anything. So I would tell you this morning that we've worked really hard for the last five and a half years to ensure that that's the way it is, that, that we're taking away all the distractions, that you never come in here going, which ends up here? Like, I don't understand. This seems like utter chaos and confusion. We never want that to be the case because we want primarily, we want Jesus to be known and and for you to experience him when you walk into this place. But all of that doesn't just happen. A budget of nearly $600,000 doesn't just happen. It happens because of the generosity of the people of Restore. A baseline of volunteers doesn't just happen. That baseline happens to be, if we had the number of volunteers that we really would love to have, we'd have 64 people on any given weekend. We're running about half of that right now. But we have, uh, in our kids department, we have uh, kid to adult ratio concerns 
that we have to be aware of, that we have to follow. And, um, and so there's just a need. There's a big need for people to put their faith into action here at Restore. And I wanna be really clear about my agenda this morning. My agenda is to encourage. My agenda is not to uh, guilt. My agenda is simply to say, here's the need. How about you step in, help us out? because we've got more people to reach. We've got more of your friends that still don't know Jesus. We have more people in this community that need to know that Jesus is for them. And we can only do that when all of us together engage this process of the local church. Some of you may have said to new opportunities, well, I could never do that. I'm not qualified. I don't want to. I'm not gifted in that way. I just need a break from my kids. Don't ask me to serve in kids. Here's what I tell you. Here's what I tell you. So does the majority of our people. The majority of us already serve in some capacity this morning. But if you need a break from your kids, so do most of you. <laughs> and I'm asking this morning that maybe you step into greater levels of service and help us because we believe that with the kids being as prevalent as they are, you guys keep having babies. I think there are like seven, eight pregnancies right now. Good on you, but we're gonna have to have some help. So um, I just want you to know, like there's a need and we hope that you'll step up and really engage this. So I've got some people that wanna tell you about their experience serving and what impact it's had on their lives. And so I want them to invite them up. Those of you that are coming, come on up, uh, find a seat, and um, we'll hear from them. Trevor, can you grab that microphone? So James chapter two ends with the reference uh, to Abraham and, and uh, Rahab. Do you remember this? In, in James chapter two, at the very end of the passage, he says, now, you remember our ancestors. Remember, James is writing to the, to the Jewish people scattered, the scattered abroad Jewish, Jewish people. So that's his audience, and that's who he's preaching to. That's who he's writing to. He's reminding them that Abraham put his faith into action. He's reminding them that Rahab, who was not qualified for doing what she, what she did. I mean, that's the assumption that could be made. I mean, she was a prostitute. What was, were those Jewish guys doing in her house to begin with? And okay, well, she turns and changes her heart and she takes in people that she could have lost her life for. Abraham, Rahab, well known to the Jewish people. They were the example that James used to say, hey, look at their faith in action. This morning, you see all of these uh, friends of ours and they have decided to put their faith into action and you know them. You see them. You might not know them by name, but you see them. And, um, and so that's our example, modern day example, of what this means for, um, for us. All right, Trevor, you've got the microphone. Would you tell us um, a little bit about why you serve in students, why you serve on the worship team? What's your experience been? Yeah, so this is, to, to premise, you asked us why we serve. And, and that's, for me, kind of a hard question because... I wish that I had an easier why. Like in my mind, I'm, I'm always just kind of been this serial doer. Like when I get involved in things, like I 
just get involved all the way. Um, and I think through this James series, I've kind of learned that in my mind, um, the, in, in the title of this message today, faith plus action, as someone who enjoys math and mathematical operations, that plus sign is in my mind, maybe more of an equal because, um, faith equals action. And that kind of sounds a little weird, but just the way that I have kind of just thought is not ever like, why should I get involved? It's always just been like, to what should I be involved? That's, um, you know, as, as simple as it is for, for me. Good. Thank you. Brayson, I want to hear from you. Okay. Um, so for me, it started out as like checking boxes because I needed to like, I had just gotten baptized and I was like, I need to start serving. But throughout serving in the past year, I was like every week before kids and before our worship team rehearsals, uh, our leaders talk about the why behind it and it really hit home with us or with me. Um, they say like, with kids, we're not serving for ourselves. We're serving to show the kids uh, the love of God and to teach them that they're loved and that they have meaning. And that for students, we're doing it for the next generation to help them be comfortable in worship and situations like that. So my why has definitely changed over the past year. But yeah, I would say it's definitely um, more about helping the kingdom and preparing the next generation. So. Okay, before you stop, um, first of all, Brayson is 15 and is on the worship team for the youth group. And then he's also serves in kids on Sunday mornings. And um, you had an experience here uh, where CJ gave a word to you. And I, I think it'd be great for them to hear that. Um, yeah, so it was this past year, um, I went up for prayer and CJ gave me a word um, about seeing me in ministry. And that same week, um, my dad asked me and my sisters to speak at a 400 person conference. And since then there have been like probably five experiences. Um, like just this past week, Kyrie and I got to help lead a worship convention. So there have just been so many opportunities that have showed up um, that were not random and they were godly experiences. And you also found purpose. Like when, when CJ gave you that word, uh, I remember hearing you say that changed how I thought about kids and what I do in kids ministry. And it, it gave you that, uh, that, uh, that knowledge that what you were doing right now was actually ministry. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I'm gonna come back to you, Kyrie. Connor, you're up first. Connor serves in, um, in kids as well, and um, he got baptized uh, earlier this year. And Connor, uh, Brenda and I did Connor and Mackenzie's uh, premarital uh, counseling. And um, Connor's a, you know, a silent type, doesn't say as much. Yeah. And um, 
he got up in that baptism pool, stood straight up, his, all his like six, whatever, eight, <laughs> felt like it, and he spoke. And uh, I thought, you know what? We got to hear from him because he has been uh, diligently working in kids. So tell us about it. So uh, when I started, I did not want to serve at all. Um, I thought my first couple weeks were just to substitute for somebody that wanted a break. So it was going to be two or three Sundays. And then they kept on coming, more and more Sundays. And like six months in, I'm like, okay, I don't think this is going to end. <laughs> um, but it's, it's gotten to the point now where I enjoy it more than most regular church services <laughs> because my, my, I mean, my favorite part of church growing no up No offense, was, take <laughs> Uh, my favorite part of church growing up was Sunday school, and um, the kids are so smart. And a lot of the times I feel like I'm learning more about the story from them than I am from the actual story that we watch on the video because they have such a different way of thinking. And also, some of your kids are crazy. <laughs> and I was the same way as a kid, and I've wanted to call my dad so many times and apologize. <laughs> So those are probably my favorite kids to work with because they, I, I'm like, okay, just settle down. I know what you're feeling. It's okay. But yes, I'm having a lot of fun. You guys should try it out. <laughs> awesome. Uh, pass that down to uh, uh, Emily, please. Emily and um, Emily is one of our um, host leads. And uh, yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. I'm really curious. Aren't we all? <laughs> so, um, kind of going off what Trevor said, I think I was, I grew up in the church, um, grew up with parents that set a great example of like faith equals action. You're, you dig in, you be a part of the church, you be a part of the community, you serve. Um, and so that was just kind of how I grew up. And so that's always been an expectation for me. And um, when Jared and I got together, he started attending my church and um, kind of would maybe be one of those that would come in, you know, right before service started or leave right after service ended and didn't really take the time to connect. In his defense, he, he was on a baseball team at that time and games were often on Sundays. And so he had different priorities that led him not to be at church all the time with me. So I had these really deep roots there at the church and I had connections and relationships that I'd had for years and he just didn't have that same experience. So then when we started coming to Restore, it was kind of that, okay, I'm attending here regularly. I'd like to get involved and host teams seem to be the easiest fit for me. I'm pretty outgoing. I'm a people person. So why not use that to bring more people and make them feel comfortable? And after a period of time doing that, it really didn't make a lot of sense for us to drive separately each Sunday that I was serving. And I might have had an ulterior motive in all of this. Um, and so, oh, he would come and just sit in the back, you know, while we would greet people and didn't really get involved. And I don't know if it was a Sunday that maybe host team was running a little short. Jer and I are always running a little short. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but we asked him to serve, and ever since, he's really dug in. Um, and I don't want to 
I guess he maybe prior to this experience of helping join a team, um, I guess you could say he was more of a consumer of the service. So, which is fine. If you're checking church out, if you're new, if you maybe have had some past church hurt, that's fine. Consume. This is great. Come for the hour. Enjoy it. We're super glad that you do that. Um, but I think there does come a time where it's like, all right, I want to be, want to get the larger part of the experience here. So, yeah, so I don't, I mean, I don't want to step on your toes, but if I can pass the mic on to Jared and see what he has to say. Yeah, he needs to defend himself. Yeah, so <laughs> once he did start serving, I'd like for him to, yeah, share a little bit about how his perspective has changed. Well, I thought that was supposed to be about you, but I guess it was about me, so that's okay. <laughs> but uh, so anyways, uh, when we first started, I mean, we've been serving for a number of years on the host team, and when, when Emily first started and she came, approached me about it, and she said, hey, I'd like to serve on the host team. My response was like, you go right, right ahead. That's fine. You do, you do that. And so again, like Emily said, you know, I would kind of uh, do my own thing, sit in the back. And contrary to what some of you might perceive, I am a bit of an introvert in some areas. And so, uh, so for me, it was, it was just easier just to not be a part of anything. Just come, hear a good message and say, all right, I'm going about my day. So, so then, like Emily said, you know, once um, the host team was a little shorthanded and I had to jump on and, and help a couple times because I was already there, um, I, I started really feeling like, oh, wow, I'm making some real good connections here. I'm meeting people. And, you know, before I would come in, I wouldn't, wouldn't know anybody. There was a few people I just knew from, from the past and stuff. But um, then I really f felt that sense of connection and belonging and so it really, um, really kind of stuck with me. And I, you know, people will tell you like you have certain abilities and, uh, you know, people would tell me, oh, you're, you're a good people person, you know, that you would work great in this capacity. And I, I never saw that in myself until I did start serving on host team. And then when I did, I kind of realized, oh, wow, yeah, I can make these connections. And so, so that became really important to me. And so, so now I look at it, uh, you know, before when I would just want to come and, and leave right away, now I get upset at Emily if she's taking too long to do her hair because I want to get to church so I can talk to people. And, and then even like when, when, we're, uh, when we are uh, done with church too, I like to hang around and, and fellowship, you know. So, so those things have kind of risen to the top for me. It's, it's very important for me to, to make those types of connections. And I th think in the role that um, I'm on on the host team, it, it just it has helped me in, in so many ways. So I'm very, very thankful to be on the host team. Um, and I guess my only regret, and I shouldn't say regret in a, in a bad way, but my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. So. Thank you, Jer. You're welcome. That's really good. I, um, you know, I've used you as an example before of, of kind of the most unlikely person, perhaps, uh, at least in your own head, you would have been sort of the unlikely person to do what you're doing, which, by the way, Emily and Jer actually lead our whole host team initiative and have done a fabulous job with it. We're really grateful for that. And um, I love that um, you not only, Jerry, you not only connect well here, but you connect well out there. And um, that's such an important value that we have here at Restore is that we not only connect well here, but that when we're out in the community that we connect with people that maybe not everybody else would. And uh, so kudos to you. Thank you very much. All right, Mackenzie, you've been serving in uh, kids for quite a while. You're in a leadership position there. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I started going Restore when I was 19. Um, 
kind of on my own. It was a weird age to kind of fit in. You know, you're not in youth group. You're not in the conversation with the married people, people with kids. You're in that kind of lull. And I kind of sat stagnant for like two, my first two years going here. I was the person that came in and I was like, all right, time to get. And I finally was just kind of like, what am I doing? Like, I've always been a doer. I've always been hands-on. I've always been like, please let me help you. <laughs> but I finally was like, okay, what are my strengths? Where can I fit in? Um, I had a girlfriend that started going here and she had a little girl that was in kids. So she got involved and I got to watch her step into that role, kind of meet people. And I saw her blossoming into like that role and meeting people and knowing people and, oh, you know this person. No, I don't know that person. I'm the person that sits in the corner and then I leave. Um, so I kind of just stepped into that. I, well, I tried and then COVID hit. So I had to wait even longer, but I stepped in and I, I love it. I think I've been serving for three years now. Um, and like Connor said, they teach you more than some, or sometimes you think they teach you more than you teach them. But I mean, we make these connections, we make these relationships with these kids. Um, like the Hartford kids, they invited us to one of their school things, like outside. We, got, we get to talk to them about their soccer games. We get to do so many things. And it's just like a super rewarding position that it doesn't even seem like work, it's just, that's what we're doing today. Like, we get to go see the kids. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. And to round it out, uh, let's hear from Kyrie. Kyrie is uh, a junior in high school, and she's... Senior. Senior, sorry. Senior in high school. She's interning here right now with our worship department. I'm sorry, with the students. And, uh, but she's overseeing worship for the students. And so she is in the mix, and uh, she's got a story to tell. Yeah, so for me, it started because I felt like I was called to ministry, and that overwhelmed me a lot, and I didn't know where to start. And after a lot of, like, putting it off and waiting, I felt like I should join the youth worship team. And so I was like, hey, I'll play keys for you. And Jansen was like, well, we don't really need a keys player right now, but, like, how would you feel about singing? And I was like, oh, you'd have to be pretty desperate. And then I was screwed because he was desperate. And so I had to join the worship team. Well, I got to. And so I wound up on stage and I'm like freaking out like, this is how I die. Like, this is the end. And when worship actually started, it just like clicked. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And it took me so long to realize that like, I didn't have to grow up to be in ministry. I could start when I was young. And um, that's just, I've, I've never looked back since I joined the youth worship team. And it's opened a ton of doors, like Brayson was saying. I've got to do things both in the church and outside of the church that I never would have done or had the even option to do if I didn't start somewhere. And for me, that was just as simple as stepping up and doing something that I was uncomfortable with. And yeah, I've never looked back, so. It's so good. And uh, you might note that uh, she speaks pretty well and she preached, uh, well, a sermonette, right? Like last yeah. weekend or the weekend yeah. before. Um, and she's also at a fairly large conference thing. So, um, and she's also given the message at youth group, uh, at student ministry. So I... 
there are so many more stories to tell, but this is a sampling of what happens when we put our faith into action. And, uh, and we, we obviously, we place a high value on it. And so can we uh, just thank these guys for coming up and doing this? Yeah. You guys can go ahead and go back. Thank you so much. Now, in all of this, in all of this, um, I started this talk by saying, I am not interested in guilting anyone into anything. That never works. There's, that's not a long-term um, answer to what we're looking for. What I am hoping for is that these stories help you as you hear them. You hear stories of people that are living with intention. Last weekend, I, I closed out my talk uh, talking very, very briefly about intention versus obligation. And what I hope you heard this morning again was that we can live with intention. And when we live with intention, we actually decide what is important to us. We decide what's important to us when we live with intention. We, uh, we set goals and we make a plan. I would tell you that my life has been a life of intention, and sometimes it was unconsciously so. Okay, let me, let me just explain that. Just because you live your life with intention doesn't mean that you know every single detail. It simply means that you are aware that you are on a specific trajectory, on some kind of path, and you're going to be open to whatever that path brings. You're going to step into opportunities. It doesn't mean you have to know every detail, but it means that, hey, if the door opens and it seems like it fits with my goals and my plans and the, the intention of God, that God has for my life, then I want to step into it. This takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of practice. When we live unconsciously, we don't live with intention. If we live and just let everything come to us and we don't have any specific way that we're trying to live, we're going to hit a wall at some point. So living with intention is what I hope for you. Living with intention is what I hope for every single person that hears this message because it is significant, it is important, it is the, the pathway to a life that is fulfilling and good and right. If you live a life of obligation, that means you're going to do things begrudgingly. It means that, well, you're gonna look at serving others as a, not an opportunity, but as an obligation. You're going to look at it as, yeah, if I have to do that. And that's what our kids do, right? Our kids do that sometimes. They look at us and they say, do I really have to do that? And sometimes, as you heard Connor say, he thought he was just stepping in for, a, you know, subbing for somebody. That act of probably obligation, because Mackenzie probably forced him into it. But that act of obligation turned into an act of opportunity, and now it is an intention of his life, because he stepped into it. He took the risk. All right, would you stand with me, and we'll close our time together. I'm always, uh, I'm always uh, encouraged by the words of Paul in Philippians 2, and I think as we talk about subjects like this, as we talk about building community, getting to know each other, the things that we have to do, that we get to do in order to make that happen, I think these words of Paul from Philippians 2 
where he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any encouragement from gathering together in a community like this? Is there any comfort from the love of Jesus? Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And then Paul says, make, my, uh, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. He says, hey, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. If you live a life of intention, it's not about impressing others. If you live a life of obligation, it probably is. He says, be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I memorized this verse in another translation, and it said, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. At the core of our faith is this assumption that if we follow Jesus, then we will consider others better than ourselves. Last week, we talked a bit about hypocrisy and how when we say we have faith, but we don't put it into action, we need to assess whether we're living in hypocrisy or not. If you don't know, ask those around you. Be open to the feedback that you get. Let me pray for us. God, I am so grateful this morning that we get to be in this space. That we get to experience your spirit move here among us, even as we hear stories and testimonies of your work in the middle of our serving, as we volunteer time and energy toward the ministry of Restore Church. Like there are some serious payoffs and God, as we continue just to uh, invite, be a church that is invitational, that invites others to join us, as we're a church that continues to grow uh, and have babies and, and all of the life events that happen in the life of a community like this, as we do that, would you continue to draw our hearts together? Let us be encouraged by each other. Let us be encouraged by our gathering together and let us put our hearts into the work that we're about. Would you help us to be people of intention and change our hearts so that that might be so. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.